Hey everybody, it's Jake and I am alone in the basement. Today we're going to be talking to the NYCW champ Johnny Moran. This is a guy known throughout the Northeast, uh, especially up here where he works for NYCW along with uh, Immortal. Uh, known throughout Pennsylvania. He, he's he's done a lot of stuff. This guy's been on the indie scene for, for some years now and has been putting his name all out there, you know, worked with impact and, and everything. So this one's going to be fun. Should be a lot of insight and a, a lot of information. And he's absolutely solid wrestler, really gets things and uh, kind of has like an old school feel to him, which, which I absolutely love. Um, by now, you know, the deal, just sit through that ad. And then on the way back, we'll be talking to Johnny Moran. All right, everybody, we are back and we are with the NYCW champ, Johnny Moran. Johnny, thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate this. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I've been lucky enough that I get to talk to, you know, two top tier dudes from, from local promotions, you know, back to back, which is, is just crazy. Uh, I never thought that I'd, you know, be able to talk to wrestlers that I really enjoy like this. So this is awesome for me. <laughs> uh, well, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Seriously. Uh, so we'll just start off with, you know, the question you've probably been asked a million times throughout the, you know, the podcast you've been doing since the world ended. Uh, <laughs> when did you become a wrestling fan? Was there like a specific, do you remember like if there was something that like hooked you, like you knew after seeing this, all right, I'm a fan for life. Um, it's hard to say because like I... I have an older brother, James, and he watched wrestling when I was an infant. <clears throat> so he's 10 years older than me. So I grew up and wrestling was on. So it was just kind of already there. If there was one match when I was a kid that like inspired me to just like, I would watch it over and over and over. When I was really, really young, it was uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and... Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event with James Buster Douglas as the referee. Um, I would watch that one episode and then it has the ultimate warrior versus Dino Bravo. There's only two matches on the episode and Hulk Hogan comes out at the end of that. Cause earthquake's going to jump on the ultimate warrior and it sets up WrestleMania six. But like that episode, like I've watched a bazillion times. So I would say that is very crucial in me becoming a wrestler and falling in love with wrestling. Have you ever heard the story about how they got Buster Douglas to do that? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I know a lot of people I'm a, haven't. I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan, so. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan, so I actually, if you watch the, I forget what year this movie came out, but there's a Mike Tyson movie. It's on, like, HBO, um, so if you have HBO On Demand, um, it's on there, and it's, I think it's just called Mike Tyson, and it's a film about um, Mike Tyson's whole life, and in the movie, they have uh, Mike Tyson on the phone after the fight, and it, you, like, you hear Don King going, Vince, he's not going to be able to come, he's not going to be able to come, and I'm like, oh, man, they're putting this in the movie, so, like, they, like, that me always made me feel like wow mike really is a fan of wrestling he doesn't just say it for like the cameras and the tvs that are around you know what i mean yeah i to I, I when i like realized how much he cared i always wondered why he never maybe even considered it after like you know in the, the mid-2000s when you know he, he couldn't really box anymore but now he's look he looks fantastic with those videos so i'm hoping that 
I mean, oh, it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. It's I terrifying. I couldn't believe it. Like, the first time I watched one, I was like, who is this? And then when he turned, I'm like, no way is that 50-something-year-old Mike Tyson looking as scary as fuck yeah. as he did in, like, 88. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's terrifying. Like, I can't even imagine being in a room with him. Like, it's funny that in The Hangover, like, they have him uh, with a lion. Because I'm like, I always tell people, I'm like, could you imagine being in a room with Mike Tyson? It's like being in a room with a lion. Like, at any moment, that that guy's going to snap and you're dead. Like, there's no way to defend yourself from Mike Tyson. Did you ever watch the Mike Tyson Mysteries show on Adult Swim? Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I just, how could... I do, I did. I, I can't imagine, like, if you were in the studio with, with him recording that. Like, how could you, one, take it seriously, and two, picture him in that way? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. It just shows how versatile and wonderful of a man he is. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was it that made you decide, I'm going to be a pro wrestler? Um, Just over the years of, like, loving it. Like, I mean, it's kind of cliche, but, like, it's something I always said I was going to do. And I just went out and did it. You know what I mean? Like, it was something that was always in my head. Like, my parents always told me, like, graduate college and, you know, if you want to try it, you can try it, but you have to have a job, too. So, like, my parents never deterred me from doing it, but, like, they told me I had to go to college and I had to, you know, have a job while I was doing it. Which, I mean, I feel like... Every parent uh, around our age was very, you know, forward with, with saying that, you know, because so many wrestlers, you know, don't necessarily make it or careers aren't very long or, you know, some, a lot of people don't even make it through training. So I can see yeah. that aspect of it. Uh, I said on the other day with the waves and curls when I had those guys on that if my kid wants to chase it, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to push the college route because schools will always be there. But I understand, you know, the, the wanting better for your children and telling them to, to, to get something more before you, you chase the big dream. Right, right, right. Agreeable. Now, what made you choose the school that you went to? Um, Backbreakers Training Center, where I started out, um, it, it was in Scranton. I live in Scranton, PA. Like, that's not a gimmick. Like, I actually live in Scranton, PA. Um, I literally Google searched and it was, uh, backbreakers in Scranton or the wild Samoans down in Allentown. It's not, I've worked for the Samoans in Allentown and there's nothing against that school. It's a great school. It's just backbreakers was five minutes from my house, you know? So I was like, I'm, I'm going here. I can get here every day. If I needed to be here every day, I could it's a five minute it was literally a five minute drive from me so if i needed to get out of the gym and then go right there it was going to be perfect for me i lived there yeah and so. i mean as you're saying there's there's no questioning you know off of school and the immense talent that's come out of there but having a, a school that close the benefits i think outweigh you know going all the way to allentown especially you know as you said five minutes away if you had to you could walk Exactly, and I knew, you know, just starting out being green, like, I'm, I'm going to be 
needing to be in here as much as possible. Like, I don't think people think about that as much. Like, yeah, like, it's great to go to a huge reputable school, but, like, if you're not super close to it, like, and you're driving and driving and driving, like, Allentown's an hour from me. So that would be an hour there and an hour back every time I'd have to go there. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I didn't finish uh, training there. Uh, I finished their school out started working shows then i started to train at the sanctuary which is in hazelton pa which is about 45 minutes uh from me um i trained there with john drosky and uh billy walker and then to this day like i train at the ppw school in hazelton it's called the underdogs the head trainers there are mikey whipwreck and um uh, smooth tommy suede and then i also teach on wednesday nights the uh, basic class I, I never stop training, but I like to, you know, tell you my little road of training. But Yeah, and I think that's important that people can understand that, you know, your journey doesn't start and end at one school. It's it's kind of important to move around because you're not going to learn a variety of things if you just kind of stick around one place forever. Yeah, and, that, and that, my, the first school I went to, Backbreakers, like me and my trainer didn't see eye to eye on me going to different schools. And it's just like... To me, it's like I learn a different trade from another person. Like, why wouldn't I want to do that? Like, why wouldn't you want to get as much knowledge from everyone as you possibly can? Like, one way is not always the best way. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's different ways. Like, there's things I learned with Mikey Whipwreck that I'm just like, oh, my God, I wish I knew this five years ago. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. And that's, you know, like, you know, the old adage of why just watch one promotion? If there's so much variety of thing, of promotions to watch out there, why would you only stick to one thing? Exactly. Uh, all right. Now, um, when you started, would you say that the landscape of the independence was different then than it is now? Um, I, I say because I, I only started five years ago and going on six. Um, it was starting to get where it is now. Like, it's more social media now. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's putting their matches right up on YouTube. Everybody's filming. Everybody's putting a story out, like, you know, practically every day. And I remember, like, when I started out, it was just starting to make that move. So I feel like it's... I started with the social media, like, evolving. And I've progressed with it and I see what you need to do and like when you got to release stuff so that people see it and like there is there's algorithms there's times that like if you put a match out and they see 30 minutes like some people aren't gonna watch your match <laughs> like if they see yeah but, but like you know what I mean and then if you have somebody that knows how to do editing or if you do editing yourself it's you see like something that's two minutes everyone's gonna watch that like if you go to my youtube channel you'll see like things that are like two minutes have 800 views or a thousand views or ten thousand views and then you got like a match that i like pride myself in and it's 20 minutes or 15 minutes there's like 20 views because it's the attention span now is not there from what it was yeah, yeah, and I that's why I was like asking the question because even though five years ago might not seem like a long time, I feel like independent wrestling has changed 
so much in just that short period of time. And you're right. Everybody now is, is constantly, you know, putting as much content as they can out uh, in a way to get recognized. And yeah, music videos and short videos like that get tons and tons of views. But usually if a music video catches my eye, then I want to see the whole match because I feel like you're not going to get the whole story of a match just from like a two, three minute clip. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> that's what I try to get. I'm like, oh man, I hope this like, you know, highlight video makes them search the rest of my channel for something else. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's something I've said a million times in and out is that we are in an era now where I feel like sometimes certain wrestlers or promotions themselves are just, they, they do flashy stuff just to get the eyes on them, which there isn't anything wrong with that. I understand but at the end of the day, I don't want just spot fests. I want you to sell me the story. I want to feel involved. No, I completely agree with that. I'm, I'm not that flashy, I would say. I, you know, I do look more towards the story. And I hate when it's just like, oh, well, you're just having a match tonight to, you know, get over yourself. It's like, okay, but, like, where am I going? Like, what is... Like, I love to go to the promoter and be like, all right, well, where am I in two months? If I'm just going out there to wrestle, because, like, I've had that happen where, like, people bring me in and they'll just tell me, they're like, oh, tonight you're just a baby face. Like, we don't really know what we're doing with you. I'm like, well, where do you see me? Like, what do you see me going towards? Like, give me something. Because I, I don't want to go out there and just wrestle to wrestle. Like, I like wrestling. But, like, I like to have a goal so I can focus. I can work this match around them. And that's what I'll even say. Like, if they don't have something planned for me, what's my opponent doing? Like, what's his deal? Like, all right, like, is he on a losing streak? Like, you know, like, I like to, if I don't know what he's been through or where I'm going, like, I, I need something to tell that story in the ring, you know? Yeah, and I feel like there's plenty of wrestlers who probably don't even look at it from that perspective. It, it, it's a shame, but everyone should. Everyone should be looking at that. Like, all right, if they just want me to go out there and wrestle, then, like, what's my opponent's deal? Like, is he on a losing streak? I don't know. Did he just recently turn heel? Is he the newly crowned baby face that's up and coming? Like, you got to look at where where's everybody progressing to and how can we all get there as a team? And, like, a lot of people, they just look out for themselves. They don't look out for the whole product. Oh, definitely. There, there, there are a lot of people like that. And I feel like that's just one of those kind of mentalities that's been placed in wrestling for a long time of that, you know, you just kind of look out for yourself, worry for worry about you, you know, you getting signed, kind of ignore everyone else. But I I feel like if it's a small promotion where, you know, you guys are working towards bringing in a crowd and selling, you know, making that crowd believable to where they tell more people to bring even more people in, then there has to be some type of unity. Yes. So hopefully more and more people like that pop up because you definitely have the right mindset. Uh, Well, thank you. Um, now, as you, oh, what, were there some people that were like a big help to you as you were like first starting out? Uh, yes. Um, I, I started out in a tag team, the world-class gentleman with, uh, his name is Dan Blazer. He no longer wrestles. Um, I don't 
don't know if you know a wrestler named all that Keita Murray or his name is Kit Raff. They were the Impeccables. Um, I had a good friend that I trained with, Mike Mitchell, and he was one half of the extra guys. Um, and he moved to Virginia. So I was getting ready for my first match. And um, my trainer thought I wanted to wrestle my best friend, Mike, that like we've been good friends since we were little kids. So my trainer thought I wanted to wait for him. And I was like, I just like, I knew Mike was in Virginia and I knew, I knew like his schedule wasn't, you know, always open. So I, I just wanted to wrestle. Like I wanted to get out there. I was sick of training already. You know what I mean? So Keita went up to my trainer and was like, I think Johnny's ready to have a match. And then my trainer said to Keita, he is, but we're waiting for Mike to be around to have his first match. And, I heard this conversation and I was like in the other room. I literally stuck my head in. I was like, Hey, I don't care. I'm not, I don't, I don't need to wait for Mike. And he's like, are you sure? Cause you only get one first match. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'll wrestle these two. It's great. Like, let's do this. And he's like, well, then you're going to have to be in a tag team to be in the storyline. And right there I was like, Oh, that's fine. Cause in my head, I'm like, I didn't want to be in tag team, but if I come in as, you know, this big bad heel that protects my partner at the time. Eventually we could break up. Eventually I'll have another story to go to after we get done with this first story. And I'm like, I love stories. So we already have a story built in. Like he's paying me to be his bodyguard. So one of those people would be Keita Murray. Then my partner, Dan, um, he started to, you know, slowly get out of wrestling and, uh, I started teaming with the extra guys, Mike Mitchell and uh, John Redbeard. And they put me and got me on shows that being five months, three months in, I shouldn't have been on. And they always said, like, you have it. You just got to be able to get in the right spots. So they always helped me out. They always got me on shows. They put their names out there for me. So I can't not mention them. Um, PPW, um, they they literally were the first promotion. The promoter's name is Anthony McKeegan and Paul Bell. Um, they both reached out to me, and that was the first promotion out of my school that I ended up being on. So they've helped me a huge ton. Um, there's another promoter that you know, Johnny Patches. He was the first promoter to ever put a heavyweight title on me. Also, there's a close personal friend that owns a company now. Um, his name's Alex Watt. He does all my graphic editing. He, you know, he's the guy I go to when I'm cutting my promos that I pride myself on. Like, I bounce the ideas off of him first and then go do my promos. And, you know, like, these are people that I put myself around. And there's plenty of names that have, like, stopped and helped me out along the way, like Mikey Whiprack, Shane Douglas, um, just to mention a few, but there's there's been a lot of people that have helped me along the way. I just have been in you know the right situations um, to get me where I am today. And I love that you know you had all that to say, and there's that many people that helped you out because there's there's sometimes still too many people who don't get a helping hand and imagine what they could have been had they had it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely. 
it's it's not just my work it's and that's what i always tell people like it it used to be you know you reflected the place you trained at and i'm i've trained at a ton of places so i reflect a lot of people in my head and there's a lot of people that put their necks out there for me and there's a lot of people that help me out with editing or you know if it's just talking about like my thoughts on a match or like even uh Mick Drake, Adam Chandler, and Ilya Baratz. Like, those guys, I send matches all the time. And they literally pick it apart for me. So, like, in my head, when I go out there and perform, they're picking apart my match. I got to live up to what they expect, you know? Yeah, which is always a plus to have people that, you know, aren't exactly just telling you what you want to hear, but sometimes telling you what you need to hear. And I've, I've played sports my whole life, so it's I'd, I'd rather hear the negative. I don't want to hear like all this good stuff. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather hear like, "Hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this," and then they can go, "Oh yeah, that." And by the way, this and this is good. You don't even have to tell me this and this is good. Just tell me what I need to work on. You know, which I mean, in, in this industry where there are people who develop egos sometimes early and sometimes to their detriment to be able to take criticism like that is, is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when did you feel like you were hitting your, your first stride in wrestling? Like, when did you feel like, all right, I'm running? Uh, I would say right before all this hit. Cause my February, I had two dates. I had NYCW and I had, um, PPW and I remember in January I was just really pissed off that like my February wasn't full but my March was full and my April was full and I'm like I'm like how could all these people want me in March and April and then I ended up just booking my Fridays Saturdays and even a Sunday and I had a Wednesday show in February and I booked it all within a month because I just re- reached out to promotions and then they all wanted me back in March and April and now with all this like it's like the COVID kind of killed my momentum that I had going because I was going so hard I mean yeah it, it's good to have a little break like to heal up and stuff but I was just getting like on you know kicking on all cylinders you know yeah, and to just kind of be cut out at the knees like that is it's a heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah, and like that's you know, I keep telling people I'm like I was I was going like so hard right before this all hit. <laughs> Which yeah, I was getting to like different places and debuting at places that I haven't been at yet. So it it was good and then it just got like kind of cut out from underneath me. Oh, yeah, and it couldn't have been a worse time. And it sucks that you know a lot of people are were dealing with the same thing. Like it, it seemed like this was you know their prime moment to really shine, and then I was like, nope, the the world's decided to disease everyone instead. Yeah, yeah. and you know, like I don't I don't even know when this, we're gonna get out of this. You know, and it's like when we get out of this, what's what's gonna happen or what what's gonna be around? You know. Yeah, and it, I mean, like it was, we don't know. 
Yeah, and it was like um, Drew Cordero from Beyond was saying on Twitter the, the other day is that once this is pretty much over, then it the new argument becomes when's too soon and when isn't. Exactly, exactly, and I don't, I don't think enough people are thinking about that. Like I, I constantly see, oh, we need wrestling back, but it's just like, yeah, but we we need it to be safe too. Like not only for the performers, but for the fans. Like you know what I mean? Like we we're, we're nothing without the fans. You know, like, I know they're doing a lot of, you know, non-fan shows right now, but they're, they're tough to watch. Without that roar, it's really tough to watch. It is, and I, I still don't understand how WWE hasn't found a way to maybe funnel sound in from, like, people watching at home or something. Like, just something to get a reaction in there to make it a little more watchable. I, I just think they want to be genuine. Because, like, once you start funneling sound in, I think it's almost like a sitcom or a TV show, you know, where you got that laugh track. Yeah. So, I, I get the part of, like, wanting that to be natural and organic. Because, like, I would want that to be, like, if I sucked, I wouldn't want people to be, you know, not, like, I wouldn't want people to react. Or, like, if something was awful, like, I don't want people to react. Like, so I get, I get wanting the organic feel, because that's what I'm sure they're thinking. And which makes total sense. I never looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. But I mean, I am hoping that, you know, something happens soon, a vaccine or, or something that can ease people's minds, you know, and maybe get us back to regular life sooner than later. Just something to help. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The same thing. I, I've been asked that on a, a couple podcasts now. Like, what do you think the answer is for this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's above my pay grade. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be wrestling if I knew that answer. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly our decision. We just got to go with what cards yeah. are placed in our hands. Yeah. Now, as you were saying earlier, I mean, you, you don't you say you're not like flashy. I think you're like a perfect old school type wrestler who has great mic skills, solid in-ring work. You know, you don't need to do anything crazy to get the reactions needed from the crowd. Was it hard to find your own personality inside the ring? Um, yes. What, what you see now, yes. Um, cause I, I more or less like when I started out, I played more roles. Like the first team I was in, I was the silent, well, not too silent. Like they, I did my first promo, the first month I was out there, but um, I was more of the bodyguard for my partner. Like, he would go in there, get take all the shine, and then I would come in for the heat. And then we would both kind of simultaneously take the comeback. Um, but then, like, the team after that, I was in the extra guys, and the extra guys are the gimmick of, you know, they make fun of overweight people and the leader of the, the group is overweight. So it's just like a giant contradiction. So it's, it's a funny like haha gimmick that I had. Um, and then after that I was in a team with Mike Mitchell and it was the mighty militia. And that's where I started to come into my own and like kind of hit my stride of like developing me as a character more because then eventually when we broke up, I was solo. I was like, I'm never getting another tag 
team. Like, I don't want to be in a tag team. Um, and that's where I started to develop my character. And it was originally the man, Johnny Moran, but obviously Becky Lynch took that. And, you know, then I developed the Dark Horse. And that, the development of the Dark Horse and that all came from a conversation I had with Alex Watt when Alex Watt told me he's like, it's like, dude, when you go out there, I don't know if you're going to win or you're going to lose. Like, you're like the dark horse in every, like, multi-man match I see you in. And I'm like, who? The dark horse. And I was like, because at that point, I was just Johnny Moran. Like, there was no, some people were calling me undeniable Johnny Moran. Like, but, like, I wasn't coining that. Like, because I was in a group at PPW with the group undeniable, but they were calling me the undeniable man, Johnny Moran. And I was just like, it doesn't ring to me. It wasn't my idea. So I didn't peg it. I don't like things that don't come from me or have my input on it. But then the, the dark horse thing, like, I'm like, Ooh, I get, I can work with that. Cause I, I, I do feel a lot that I'm overlooked and I do feel like, you know, I deserve to be at the top of the card, not just, you know, the middle of the card. And that's where the bitterness and the promos came out because they were just like angry promos that I just started rolling with. And I feel like the best promos and the best, like, I wouldn't say it's a gimmick necessarily, but the best personalities in wrestling are the ones where it's it, it's coming from somewhere within you, where there's a actual genuine feeling coming out of it because those are the easiest to read and understand when you can relate to how that person's feeling or conveying those words. I mean, we've all felt overlooked at times in our life. We've all felt like we're not somewhere where we should be. And it's something that's easily relatable to. Yeah, no, definitely. And I like people that have a chip on their shoulder because I constantly have a chip on my shoulder. It's just something in me. And, uh, that's that's where it all came from like it was just the chip of like you know not that I was even seeing like anyone around me like going above and beyond or like I was getting I felt like I was getting passed up a lot and that like just kind of like and like anytime I'd be in a featured spot I felt like my featured spot wasn't featured you know what I mean yeah I'd be in I'd be in a, a they put me in a tag team match at PPW for the tag team championships and it was on the impact show. So like I finally get a championship shot and it's more focused that impact versus PPW, not that, you know, we're having a championship match and like there wasn't as much hype as I felt like there needed to be towards the match. So I just started, I literally had all these ideas because I was wrestling a team, uh, they're called SPF, uh, South Philly's Finest, and the one wrestler's name is Jimmy Conway, and the other wrestler's name is uh, Luca Barazzi, and I literally took the uh, Godfather DVD, and um, Jimmy Conway is from, I can't think of the name right now, uh, the movie. You in the mob movies? Oh, uh, not really, but I'm trying to remember, because I've seen a handful of their matches, so I'm trying to like... Goodfellas, sorry, okay. Goodfellas. <laughs> No, no character from a movie's gonna kick my ass or whatever I said at the time. Like I just flipped the movies. Also, like I ran off with the uh, SPF bottle because I'm like no sunscreen, and then I just like smashed the bottle and it exploded. So uh, I, I, I 
great promos on that. But that was all out of just anger because, like, there wasn't anything being promoted about it. It was just impact coming, impact coming, impact coming. Not that it shouldn't have been impact coming, but I wanted, you know, let's let's feature these matches that are on this impact show too, in a big way. So I felt like I needed to do something myself to make myself stand out in in this promotion where they're promoting the show that we're on, but I want my match to be featured and I want everybody to remember that match. And I don't so blame that's where oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, and I wouldn't blame you at, for, at all for that. Cause I, I totally get it. I mean, yes, you want to hype that impacts coming. Cause that could bring in possibly more people, you know, who, who casually watch that, but maybe don't follow the Indies as much, but you should still be focusing on the people within the promotion that are going to be there next month when Impact isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I was scared that, like, because we won the championships that night, like, I was scared that that, like, was going to kind of get overlooked, which it didn't, but, you know, there was always that chance in my head, like, like, we're not going to outshine this, and we need to outshine this. we got to find our own way to shine, and it was kind of difficult because, you know, I, I teamed with Clutch Adams and like me and Clutch aren't close. We're a very good tag team together. But like I don't text Clutch outside of uh, wrestling. Like I'm not I'm not friends with him. In the ring it looks like we're best friends because we're both we both work the same style and we both you know came up the same way so we fit and match very well. Um, but like outside of it like we're not close. And I felt like I was doing all these promos that were gold, but like he's not in them. And like my the friends that like you know look at my promos and stuff would message me like, why isn't Clutch in this? And I'm just like, because he lives in Jersey, I live in PA. We're not really that close. Like we weren't hammering them out at the show because we literally got put together the month before and won the number one contendership. I'm like, I'm just trying to make this match matter. So I kind of put that weight on myself. And if, if no one else is going to, why not put it on yourself? Exactly. And, like, the other team didn't respond to the – and literally, I, there was four weeks until that show. There was four promos out. They finally did a promo the week before the show, and I was like, drop the ball on that. Like, I know you guys are good and all and have been a tag team for years, but I literally put out four promos by myself. You two live in the same house together. <laughs> You could have responded, you know? Yeah, like, there was definitely more of, of an opportunity there that they didn't seem to grab yeah. hold of. I mean, I love, I, I, I like those guys. Like, we've worked, I was, I've, I've worked them with every single tag team I've ever been in. And they're phenomenal to work with, but I just, it, they dropped them all on that time, and it, it was all on me. And so I just needed to do what I needed to do, and that's kind of where the whole, like, dark horse character came from it's just me you know showing that i can outshine anyone you put me in there with and that's a great you know not only is that great personality but that's a great thought process to have of you know no matter where i am in the card i'm still the show everyone's gonna pay attention to me mm-hmm. yeah now how did the opportunity to come to nycw come about did patches reach out to you uh no uh, I wrestled Mike Skyros at Immortal Championship Wrestling 
in the first match that Immortal ever had. And I wrestled Skyros at my training school in, like, triple threats. I think I was in, like, two triple threats with him. But we never had a one-on-one. And we had this great one-on-one to open NY, or to open Immortal. And when we got in the back, he asked me, he's like, how's your bookings going? And, like, when are you free? And I'm like, well, I'm like, what? what promotion and what weekends are you looking for? I'm like, because at that time, Excellence Professional Wrestling was running, and every second week, I was a steady regular guy there. I was actually teaming with Green Ant, and we were uh, Ant-Man together. And that was, like, that at Excellence was, like, a fun experience for me because I got to show my funny side, and I never get to do that. So I did a ton of comedy wrestling that is all at excellence and it's an exclusive character i do there so like it was fun so when skyro said there's an opportunity at this new promotion uh, uh new york championship wrestling i was like okay uh, where's where's that i'll ask them a bunch of questions and i date christina marie so i thought all right like that's how we like kind of figure out our schedules like me and christina um if something's closer to me she'll stay at my house this weekend if something's closer to her I'll stay at her house this weekend. So we kind of like schedule around each other. So I was like, oh, this is great because like she comes down here a lot. She wasn't wrestling like more towards her because it's so northern New York that there wasn't, you know, there she was wrestling more down this way. There was more like southern promotions that she was going to in PA. So she was coming here a lot. So I kind of felt bad. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to wrestle another promotion that's closer to her so then I'm up there more and then he sent me the name of Johnny Patches and then I checked out the promotion I'm like oh this is a new promotion it's up and coming um, I can get in on the ground floor it looks good like everything and I what stood out to me when I first saw anything from New York Championship Wrestling was the ropes I looked at the ropes and I was like wow they're real ropes that's the first thing I thought, too. Yeah, right? Like, just stands out. So, I remember... Um, I, now, Skyros told me to reach out to him, so then I reached out to Patches, and Patches was like, yeah, I'll bring you in. And then um, the original plan was for me to wrestle uh, Tyler Vincent and to have a feud with Tyler Vincent. I was supposed to wrestle him, the first show I was ever there, I ended up wrestling Vinny Moon because Tyler didn't show up. And so, like, night before, I'm, I'm at Christina's and I'm just like, all right, well, this is a new promotion. Like, they don't know me. I can come in there with any character I want. Like, I'm like, he wants me as a heel. So I'm like, I'm going to be the baddest heel that he's ever seen. And I just went in there with this bad attitude. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't, ignorant to anyone or anything like that but like in my head like I was the meanest son of a bitch ever so like I met Patches great guy Johnny Patches I can't even say enough nice things about that man great guy Um, meet him and then he tells me he's like Tyler Vincent isn't coming tonight I forget what happened I don't know if it's a family issue or what and he's like you're gonna wrestle Vinny Moon never met Vinny Moon in my life had one of the greatest matches I ever had with Vinny Moon and I still love that match because I was I just knew how angry I was and like I wanted to prove that I'm a dominant heel and after that match um, he 
came up to me and he's like, he's like, you're my guy. And I then like Pat just told me you're my guy. And like, it didn't register to me like what he meant by saying like, you're my guy. And then, you know, he had plans putting the belt on me after Omar. And that meant so much to me. Like, I don't think I could ever tell him how much that really meant to me because no one ever put a heavyweight title on me. So like, that's my first heavyweight title. Like, that meant so much to me because for that, like to me, that means this company's on my back now. I need to, like, if you look, I win the championship, right? Very next month, the poster for the Roaring Twenties is just me with the heavyweight title. So, like, there was this immense pressure, which I love, being that guy and holding that standard that I have to get these people in here. Like, this is on my back now. I got to create these faces that keep this company rolling. Like they're trying to beat the big bad heel. And that's why I come up with the creative endings with all these people coming out and having new members in the Moran gang. And everything you see now is just me trying to create the audience to want to come back to see me get beat. And uh, first off, I have a million responses to all of that. First one, uh, Mike Skyros is uh, a big friend of the show. I love that guy. He's he's oh, yeah. such That's a sweeter. genuine dude. And I, I never expected from the moment I interviewed him for us to talk as frequently as we do. He's a great guy. Uh, Christine Marie is an absolutely fantastic women's wrestler. And she's probably one of the best ones to ever come out of the Capital District. So uh, kudos on you for being so close to her and, and being cool with her. <laughs> And uh, to your um, last thing, oh, what happened there? Okay, um, to to yeah, to, to have that pressure on at that point, and to finally get that push is just it's crazy. And shout out to Vinny Moon, uh, I love that match too. I thought that was a great match. Um, Vinny comes comes out of a fantastic school in Buffalo. You know, he's a Grappler's Anonymous guy. Uh, and that's just there. Anyone who comes out of that school is nuts. So, yeah, no, and like it was funny because like he told me like his gimmick beforehand. I'm like immediately I was like fuck. Like I'm gonna have to like kill this kid because everybody's gonna because I thought people would fucking laugh at him. Like when he came out doing like finger pistols and stuff, I'm like they're not gonna take him seriously. But I don't know what he did. When he came out, he did the finger pistol thing, and then out of nowhere, like, the fans just started clapping with the music. And as soon as they started clapping with the music, I'm like, we're good. I could literally poke him in the eye and we'll be fine. Like, they're going to react. They love him. And, like, I was nervous because, like, he told me it's, like, his only second time here. And, like, the last time he was here, he felt like he didn't get over. But I got him over that night. He got me over. Like, it, it was just a mutual thing, and it worked so well. Yeah, and I can't recommend anyone viewing that match enough. It's free on YouTube. Just go through the episodes of NYCW. Uh, most match cards are listed. It's not hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, it's literally one of my favorite matches. The episode where you do win the title hasn't aired yet. I was talking to Patches. No. He said hopefully this weekend. So there's something for for people listening. But he was explaining to me 
the whole story of, you know, the story with the brass ring was that once you won it, you had to give a notice before you could challenge for it and how you gave a notice before you even won, which is like such a dick heel thing to do. And then when it like comes to fruition, it's just so fucking good as a story. Yeah. Well, he, he told me about it. Cause I think he wanted originally, I don't think it was supposed to happen when it happened. I think it was supposed to be I won it and then I cashed in the next show. But um, Omar was retiring, so like it it was happening all in one show. I think snow happened or something. The doctor didn't show up or something got adjusted that because in January the plan was I was champion. So I think the November show or some, something happened where that – December show had to be how it ended up being. And his whole thing was, you're going to announce after your match, you're cashing it in. You're cashing in that night. And then Omar is going to do this heartfelt speech that he's retiring. And they're going to forget. And then when you come out, it's going to suck the air out of the room. And if now there were wrestlers that were there and I'm not going to name their names, but they literally said to me, they're like, you didn't get a reaction when you won that belt. I'm like, no shit. Like, why would I? (laughs) Like, I just killed their fucking hero. Like, of course I didn't get a boo or anything because they're in shock. Like, it went dead. Like, I knew it was over by how quiet it was. And he was right. Like, that was the reaction Patches wanted. Patches wanted the air to get sucked out of the room when I took it out of Omar. And, like, there were people freaking crying as I'm walking out, as I throw the ring to the ring announcer, as I slide in the ring. And he's bleeding. Like, the blood was not planned. Like, the blood happened just accidentally in the match prior. So he's bleeding, sweating getting freaking baby oil that he puts on all over the goddamn belt because I dropped the goddamn belt, which was so embarrassing. Um, But, like, it just sucked the air out of the room and it was so quiet. And it was just, it was perfect. Like, it, it went off perfectly. Yeah, and sometimes people don't necessarily understand. Sometimes, like, that reaction, the no reaction, is the best reaction. Well, that's, it, it depends on the moment that's going on. In that moment, it should have been silent. If they booed me, they didn't give a shit about Omar. They were in shock that that just happened because Omar, they loved Omar. You know what I mean? Like, if if they were booing him, they didn't give a shit about him. They were just hurt that I did that. And that is what I was looking for because that's what Patches wanted. And uh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, you know, on YouTube, I'm really looking forward to, to getting that whole moment, you know, face yeah. to face. Now, who have been some of the favorite people that you've gotten to wrestle with? And what are some of your favorite angles that you've been in? Uh, angles? I mean, this whole build at uh, New York Championship Wrestling from the moment I had that first match with any moon. I knew it was leading towards a championship. I knew I was, you know, I'm still undefeated. Like, I've never been pinned there. Like, that was huge to me. Like, just the the whole push there, like, and, like, I never had somebody believe in me like Patches does. So that, like, fueled 
is doing and like think of endings that aren't just like you know I want I wanted to be that like bad heel like I wanted to be that heel that you hate like I was I wasn't I'm not looking to be like this cool heel like I want to be the bad guy and I want to make the baby faces that I'm going against look good so yeah and my dad you know was a was a huge wrestling fan and that's who got me into it. And I remember him telling me there was at points in the eighties where while, you know, it was great to see Hogan, he didn't care about going to shows to see Hogan. He wanted to see Hogan beat the shit out of Don Morocco. Cause he hated Don Morocco so much. See, and that, that's what I, I go for. That's what I'm trying to put across. And I feel like that's a, that's a lost start. That's definitely an old school thing. Definitely, and a lot of people don't look at that anymore, you know? Yeah, and uh, t- another angle of yours that I really like, I really like what's been going on in Immortal with you and Isis. I think that's a great story. I love everything that's been going there. That that was, you know, that's another honor that I kind of just fell into. He, Him and I, um, you know, he just looked at me and watched a couple of my matches and then told me, you know, he's probably like this. I hope he never listens to this because he hates revealing the curtain. So, (laughs) but you know, we we became very, very close and he came up to me and he's like, I think I'm coming out of retirement. He's like, I want to wrestle you first. And I go, wait, what? Um, you know, I was kind of like taken back and, I don't miss PPW shows for any show. Same thing with, you know, New York Championship Wrestling now since I'm a champion. But I am the TV champion at PPW, and I had to miss that to, like, I had to miss PPW to wrestle ISIS. And I told him, I'm like, I don't do this for anyone. And I was like, I just want you to realize, like, how much you mean to me that you are going to wrestle me and you're coming out of retirement and I'm your first match. So, um, that that story that build it's all organic and you know i kind of you know just shouldn't have probably told this story because he is very <laughs> kayfabe about the whole story if you notice like he doesn't like anything on my profile he doesn't comment on my profile so hopefully he doesn't hear this and kill me uh he's um, he's been on the show and uh he talked a little bit about all of that and he's another dude that i never expected to talk to as frequently as i do so I, hopefully he'll be okay with it. <laughs> oh, no, he 100% won't be okay with it. But, you know, we'll, 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 we'll blame Corona for this. Okay. Because um, that, that's, he, he randomly messaged me a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, we're going to have the longest feud ever. Not because I don't think we're ever going to wrestle again. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so either. But what are we going to do? Um, but yeah, like that, that feud and like, and, and, like he's another one that I reach out to to like look at stuff and like um, I got like over the COVID thing like I started reading Pat Roach's book and I had no clue who Pat Roach was but then I found out he's like this famous film star that was a wrestler that like is like all these iconic bad guys from Indiana Jones and um, also the Conan series like I talked to ISIS about it and he was like, Oh yeah, no, I've known about him for years. Like, so like 
he's just someone that I connect with. So like, again, like you put more into those stories and someone you connect with. There's another wrestler that's in my team at New York championship wrestling is John West. I've wrestled and teamed with John West probably more than anyone in my life. I've probably wrestled him more than I've teamed with him. Uh, but he's someone that's just, just like me. Like, you know, everybody thinks he's a mid-card guy, but if you give him the ball, like he can do anything back in. Like, he has more talent in his pinky than most have in their entire body. Um, Hollow Wicked, I have my favorite match I've ever had in my entire life. Um, that happened at Excellence Professional Wrestling. That uh, that match is my favorite match, and, like, it, you're wrestling Hollow Wicked, so, like, my thing was... I got so in shape for that match. Like, I trained my ass off, like, cardio-wise, just because I'm like, I got to go, and I got to I gotta make sure I came out of that match looking great. And, you know, we got through the curtain, me and him, and he looked at me, and he's like, I don't I don't have anything to tell you. He's like, that was, that was perfect. And, like, to get that from him, like, he didn't know how much that meant to me that he said that to me, you know? Like, that was... And it always will be, like, one of the, it's my favorite match, but it meant so much more coming from him saying that it was a perfect match. Uh, Jason King, I had a fantastic feud with him at the Sanctuary. He helped me grow. Um, without him, like, I don't think I'd have the confidence to be in a main event match or be at the end of the show where there's no one else after you. Because he took me there. We had this great, like, street fight match. But we had this huge story that built up to the street fight match. And that was my favorite match until I had the Hollow Wicked match. Um, but, uh, like, those are just some of them. Uh, Hollow Wicked, you know, indie legend. I mean, legend right. gets thrown a lot around a lot. And I think it's one of those overused terms. But that one, that one fits. That guy is just, you know... Chikara season one original, which is nuts. He's still going. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, and, that, and going into that match, that's like, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, this guy fucking started in Chikara, like, season one. Like, like I have to set my fucking game up. Like, yeah, no other way to put it, man. And I'm glad that you came through. I'm going to see if I can find that on YouTube. one's only on Powerbomb, if you have, or uh, it's independent wrestling TV now. I do have IWTV. I've been a subscriber since the Powerbomb days. <laughs> yeah, so if you go to Excellence, um, it'll, I don't know, I, I don't have it, um, so, but there, if there's a poster showing uh, me with a giant mustache, which I actually grew myself, <laughs> uh, it's a giant curly mustache, and they put the hook uh, poster on, and it was because uh, that whole season of excellence, we did all movie posters. Like before the COVID, it was going to be all um, all space themed uh, shows. Oh, geez, that would have been great. <laughs> that season was all movies, and the cover of that one it has me with a giant mustache that I grew just for Mustache March and. I shaved it off <laughs> the week before the show because I'm like, I'm wrestling Hollow Wicked, and if this is a fucking awesome match, I don't want this mustache. <laughs> but if you ask Mike Skyros, I never should have saved the mustache because he loved my mustache. 
All right, uh, Anchor cuts you off after an hour, so I'm just going to stop it. Uh, I'm not going to get off the phone with you. I'm just going to immediately roll again, and we're going to get to the non-wrestling-related questions. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, no, don't feel bad, man. Does it really cut you off after an hour? Yeah, we're back on, though. But, yeah, it only gives you, like, an hour uh, an hour at a time, and then you got to switch to a, a different file. Huh. Yeah, I don't understand that either. The first time we ever did a, a podcast, uh, we weren't paying attention to that, and we went on for like 40 minutes without even noticing. Awful. <laughs> um, so now uh, these ones, uh, my usual ridiculous ones that have, you know, nothing to do with wrestling. Uh, what do you think is the most overrated food from your state? think i could put down my state's food man i always say like when i go other places i'm like it doesn't live up to the food i have at home <laughs> i can't really i can't really shit on my food around here <laughs> i always i always say we set the bar and everybody else just follow them behind us you have to come here and eat i uh, i have been to philly a few times i actually was in scranton over the summer so yeah the food is great out there <laughs> where'd you where'd you go to eat in scranton Oh, crap. You, you think I'd remember. It was like a Japanese steakhouse next to the hotel I was in. Uh, well, I mean, those are okay. You got you to gotta get, like, bar food wire around here. Like, our, our wings around here are out of this world. I'll have to Especially remember if you that. go to the right place. In case I ever yeah. make it back. If you're, if you're in this area, just text me and I'll tell you exactly where to go. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, this one's always important to me. Grape or strawberry jelly? Thank you. Great jelly gang for life. <laughs> uh, what land animal are you most afraid of? Rat. Really? Yeah, I'm terrified of rats. Wow. I, I'd rather have a snake in the house than a rat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, Christina has two cats, and um, I, like, I got really pissed off because I saw, I'm not, like, she lives near the woods so i saw a field mouse run and i looked at like the male cat and like he doesn't even move and i'm like dude you're you're fucking up your job here like come on kill it i think oh, i could be wrong but i think she lives somewhere relatively close to me because i uh a friend of mine used to be on a power lifting team with her oh probably then yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I i i'm picturing this in my mind now uh, Probably. Yeah. Least favorite video game system? Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't really game anymore. I was always a PlayStation guy when I did games, so I would assume Xbox would be the answer to that. All right, and the last question, the, uh, the, the standard. What's the creepiest basement you've ever been in and why? I've ever been in uh, the sanctuary basement, actually, and why? Because it's a fucking old abandoned church, and it's terrifying. No more needed to say. They they have a, they have a new season out, and I, I'm not on it, but I'll promote it anyways. It's on Twitch, and if you go to the sanctuary website, they literally have um, this kid that wrestles, and I don't know what is his. Uh, 
deformity or what exactly. Like, he has long legs, a short torso, and long arms. And they literally pull him out of the basement. I'm like, wow, that was the most creative thing you could have done with that basement because it's terrifying. It's an old abandoned church. And, you know, John Trotsky owns it now. But um, it, the basement is just creepy and dark. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be down here too long. Yeah, I feel like that place would give out absolutely terrible vibes. <laughs> yeah. All right, man, that's all I got. Uh, I will be at the next NYCW show whenever it happens, so I can't wait to meet you in person, oh, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, can't wait to meet you either. Uh, throw out your social medias, and uh, you got a Teespring, right? I do. I'll send you the link for my Teespring, because apparently you can't just search the Dark Horse Johnny Moran on Teespring. Don't know why, but I've had a few friends just try and search it from like their search box, so I'll send you the link. You can put it in with this. Um, my Twitter is Johnny Moran underscore. I'm not very good at Twitter. I have Twitter just to repost crap and heart crap every now and then. Um, my Instagram, I'm very active on. So if I would recommend anything, I have a Facebook like page. Uh, it's Johnny Moran the Wrestler. And my Instagram is Johnny Moran underscore. And I have a YouTube channel. If you look up Johnny Moran the Wrestler, you'll see my face. Please subscribe. Watch something, maybe, you know. <laughs> and then also I have a Teesprings. We'll put the uh, link in with this. Yeah, I'll throw that in there for sure. Thank you. All right, man. That's all I got. Thank you so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you soon. Uh, thank you so much, sir. All right, man. Take it easy. You too. All right, everybody, that was the Dark Horse Johnny Moran. Thank him so much for, for doing this. And, you know, as I've said before, NYCW has all their shows for free on YouTube. Just search New York Championship Wrestling. Watch as much as you can. Uh, I was talking to Johnny Patches. He said hopefully the episode where uh, Johnny wins the title should be up this weekend, if not a little bit after that. Well worth the wait. Uh, only other thing that I kind of want to talk about quick is um, the loss of Shad to the wrestling world. Uh which is obviously a, a huge, huge blow. And, I mean, the way he went out, I think, is is the saddest and most awful thing. But in his last moments of life, he was a hero, you know, telling people to save his son before him. And uh, as a parent, I, you know, that's what we're all supposed to do. We're supposed to put our children's lives before our own and, he literally did that. So rest in peace to him, to his family. My condolences. I know Collar and Elbow is doing a shirt for him. Uh, if not, they're still accepting donations. You know, can't recommend that enough. Uh, as always, follow me on all the social medias. You know where I'm at. Uh, alone in the basement on Facebook and Instagram, AITB on Twitter. Uh, today we're, is the final day for the giveaway of the uh, signed 8x10 from Davian. And uh, besides that, thank you to my beautiful, wonderful wife, Shelby, who's upstairs dealing with angry children. And I will see you guys tomorrow. All right. Love you. Bye.